welcome to episode 45 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we explore the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate today. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of Biophilico Healthy Buildings. And in this episode, I'm in Sweden talking to Frederick Thunberg, CEO of Sally R, a cloud-based intelligent ventilation system that uses algorithms to optimize indoor air quality whilst reducing energy consumption. We discuss how buildings have traditionally had to make pretty much guesses about how much ventilation they will need at any one time of the day and in any one place within the building. Whereas the latest technology armed with sensors, IoT enabled software and monitors throughout the building basically open up opportunities for far more tailored and efficient solutions, which is what Sally R do. As he points out, high quality indoor air on that basis doesn't really need to cost more. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It can represent a real saving. They're also getting into carbon capture in indoor farms, but I'll let Frederick explain that part. So here he is. Frederick, let's start with the basics. So when you're describing Saliar or you're pitching it, you've got a short amount of time. Like fundamentally, what's the problem that you're solving here around HVAC optimization? Do you, is it a response to demand from the market or are you in a sense anticipating a future in demand and trying to sort of create a solution for something that is going to be more and more of a problem in the future or is it very real already? I think it's very real already, um, but it is definitely picking up some awareness uh, as part of the increasing energy prices, of course, across Europe, across the world, as well as the, the pandemic that we're hopefully seeing the end of. But I believe that real estate and especially commercial and, and commercial real estate and, and public buildings are, once they're now starting to open up, that will create some some very important questions for the real estate owners as well as the facility managers and uh, how to tackle these. So that's where Saliar can, can really make a difference. So there's two pieces there. You mentioned effectively the cost, the energy implications of running a mechanical ventilation system in a building and also how that mechanical ventilation system relates to airborne diseases such as COVID. So let's look at the first one. So the energy costs, like how, how, do you, how does Sally Art get involved or integrate into that, start measuring it and make improvements? Like what's the process that, that you have to go through to do that? Yeah, and, and, and in our case, it's those two different pieces are very intertwined into each other. So overall, we're trying to um, really prove to people that, well, an increase and more secure indoor air quality actually doesn't mean that you have to spend, you have to consume more energy. It's rather the the, uh, the opposite. There's a contradiction that clean air costs more. It's actually the other way around. So an optimized indoor air quality will actually provide you with substantial energy savings. And the way that we do it, well, you have to bear in mind that the traditional way of controlling HVAC, it goes back quite a lot. So. It's been very, very traditional and it has been sort of the same uh, throughout many, many years. And with the help of other technologies or other technology breakthroughs, such as like big data and, and connectivity and uh, um, wireless sensors and everything like that, we can now pick up a lot of data and we can manage the data properly and we can, um, we can uh, create new data based on what we actually pick up in a very fast way so that we can 
we can control buildings, very complex systems within buildings easily through uh, a proper data management, which is basically what it actually is. So for people, someone who's perhaps not familiar with, say, traditional building management systems or uh, facilities management, you, you said it's a bit of a dinosaur and it hasn't, it hasn't sort of really upgraded. So what does that look like for someone who's not familiar with it? Obviously, you know, natural ventilation is where we, we came from. And then at some point we started creating sort of like pressurized and um, mechanically ventilated buildings with HVAC or air conditioning systems. And over the last, say, 20 years or so or more, uh, how has that, what's that look like, the management of an HVAC system? Like, yeah, what is it that you're upgrading, basically? Yeah, and obviously, like, this is different depending on what kind of building you're, you're talking about and obviously also what kind of country you're in. But from our experience, from, from Sweden, Scandinavia, and Europe, is that a lot of buildings, once they were built, they were, were um, they, someone from, from the, um, uh, the BMS system provider or their, their partners, they were in the building and programming a unique solution for that building. And that was obviously based on a lot of assumptions. And these assumptions goes hand in hand with what like the building would be intended, its intended use and um, all different kinds of things. Um, so one, one practical example would be one, one building that we uh, implemented our solution in very recently where they, 20, 25 years ago when the, when the building was built, the HVAC, system was programmed and it was programmed based on the assumption like all right let's do 40 percent return here and it was just an assumption that that would work out and that that was a good level it is not based on any kind of facts and figures because and to be honest like 25 years ago you couldn't do that and what we can do now is that we can we can allow the building to choose its own level of return here depending on how it is being used what is happening on the outside of the building and, and uh, taking into a lot of different factors concerning the indoor air quality into account in order to calculate optimal uh, performance for that system. Um, and that's, so that's the, one example. Yeah. But that's, that's okay. So then that links in with the idea of the big data, right? Because you're then using global benchmarks to understand how it should be done, comparing that with what's actually happening and trying to find gaps, discrepancies between the two, and then making the adjustments to how the air ventilation system is operating is that right yeah absolutely absolutely so that's one way to look at it and then there's other other types of buildings like we're optimizing a large shopping mall in stockholm it's, it's the largest one in scandinavia for mall, mall of scandinavia so it's uh, it has a good name um and that building was built in uh, it was I, I believe it was finished like in 2015 or 2016 so it's, it's very it's very new it was a huge investment obviously for, for the real estate company and so it's very sophisticated, everything that is within the building. And still, we, we managed to save around 40, 42% of the energy being used in the HVAC system, simply because we were more reactive to whatever was going on. And this was especially so during the pandemic, of course, when the building had a lot lower um, uh, people, occupants, passing through, through right? Uh, and again, it was based on assumptions on how, how, how it would be used to the building. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot to be done. So if I can create an analogy, would it be basically like someone going in to a building, turning on all the lights 
at a certain point on the dimmer and saying, well, that's it. That's how we operate the light system between, I don't know, nine o'clock and five o'clock. And you're saying, well, actually, you might need certain dif different intensities during the day, and you might need perhaps a little bit on a, on a weekend, or you might need some later in the evening, because that's actually how the building's being used. Would that be a fair analogy to draw? You're trying to connect the, the usage by the occupants in the building with the amount of air ventilation and circulation that they need. Is that yeah, absolutely. Like that, that's definitely a huge part of it. Um, and then we also have different ways of like, um, analyzing the building as well. So we are measuring and we're constantly calculating the loads within the building and not, not just the heating load, but also like the load concerning CO2. And we can calculate any kind of load. We can, if you calculate and monitor a VOC load, for instance. And by doing it that way, we can predict um what will happen a lot better than than uh, than what would normally be the case as well so there's there, there's a lot of different things but that is definitely a good analogy as well so vocs volatile organic compounds basically the the nasty chemicals that are off gassing from things like adhesives glues carpets furniture in an office so for for listeners who perhaps aren't aware that Chemicals can, can be found in, in office furniture. Uh, the reality is they often can, especially in paints and cheap ceiling panels and what have you. So the importance of, of what you've just described is, is, is really, I think, critical uh, for, for improved indoor air quality. So if we look at the hardware and the software involved in making that happen, like what's, what's going on in terms of you bringing pieces of kit into the building or is it a completely uh, software-based solution like how do you integrate into the building management system into the BMS yeah and there's there's different ways to do that of course and we do uh, a lot of different types of integration and, and implementations but Cellular in its essence is a software company so we don't have our own hardware concerning this, this particular service rather we would uh, prefer to collaborate with with a partner and Primarily, that would be the BMS company um, and uh, the BMS provider, uh, but it can also obviously be an IoT platform, for instance, or it can be a sensor sensor company providing um, uh, sensors to the building. Um, but for and we have also done um, integrations and implementations where we made use of a uh, kind of a simple kind of edge unit, edge gateway. Um, but that is simply just because we want to cut corners. Uh, and this is primarily, we do that primarily for older systems, older buildings, where they sometimes they don't even have an, an internet, it's not connected to the internet even. So uh, we have to really start from scratch. Um, but yeah, there, there are different ways. Some of them are more sophisticated than others. So it strikes me as an, a, an example of smart building systems, right? We're, we're trying to connect the building via your software with the daily realities of what's happening inside the building. So it's reactive rather than being passive. Now, do you, do you just make a distinction between the air purification that's going on in the building and the air quality? So like, the, is the software looking at purification rates that are happening? I, do we need to consider that there's not enough uh, purification beyond just the uh, ventilation rates in the building? Like, do you normally recommend that there is a complementary strategy in terms of improving the indoor air quality beyond just ventilation? Or is that typically enough to remove the VOCs, remove the CO2? Yeah, and obviously, like, again, 
definitely depends on where in the world you are uh, and what kind of building you're in. Um, but we obviously like we we see a lot of data. We, we we can see and we can analyze that for the customer. But then it's obviously up to the customer to to take actions based on that data. Um, but it's not that uncommon, obviously, that we get the questions like, how do we how how can we improve this further? How what what, what measures uh, do do we need to take it um, apart from the software and stuff like that? And then we like to um, be really um, um, how you say. Uh, be really frank about that we're not a consultancy in that way there are others who are way much better than than us than providing advice on that um, but any way we can to help uh, is uh, is obviously we will do it um, but um and from our perspective we are not in this to to save energy it might sound strange but but our standpoint is that we want to improve we want to secure indoor air quality. That's why mm -hmm. we actually do it. The energy savings is just a benefit that comes with it. Um, so as long as as long as the building has healthy uh, IAQ, uh, then we're happy. And the energy savings they they they, they come as uh, as something extra. So then you'd imagine there being say a network of of say head height. Well, I think the the regulation or recommendations are around one meter to to 1.5 meter high from the ceiling, air quality monitors throughout the buildings. So there's the, the building management team are getting one source of data coming in. You've then got what Saliara producing in terms of data, and you can start to see how the management team is building up a picture, right, of exactly what's what's going on. So you're, you're part of that solution, and then you connect to the ventilation rates that are going on in the, the HVAC. And so if you don't mind me asking, like, how does that, like, what is that connection point between the software and the reality of ventilation rates changing? Like, how does that, how does that take place for someone who's not familiar with that process? Um, could you repeat that? I don't yeah, so like you're, so the, there are, you're creating the data and you're, yeah. is it, is the, is the software making decisions on behalf of the building management team or the building management team having to take, to sort of interpret the data that you're creating and then manually uh, create, implement changes or is it right. automatically linked? No, it's totally automatic. It's, uh, it's automated uh, to 100%. Um, so, I mean, based on, based on whatever parameters you as a building owner or um, a facility manager, what you want to achieve in the building in terms of indoor air quality. So you set the thresholds that the software needs to take into consideration. And usually there is a minimum value and a maximum value and never to exceed the maximum value, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the, the system, the software would optimize within that kind of range and it would do that automatically. But it would also obviously pick up on any like um, discrepancies in, in that performance as well. Uh, and for instance, we can, we can easily analyze, uh, a uh, abnormal high energy consumption within any kind of like fans or anything like that, that we can track back to, for instance, a, a filter change being uh, um, needed. Um, so we can optimize that and we can, um, we can optimize for other types of filters as well. So you can introduce more filtration, for instance, concerning now like what, what the WHO uh, are uh, starting to talk more and more about PM1, for instance. So 
So we can we can definitely there's definitely room to improve more on the filtration side with an optimization service like ours. So PM one we typically talk about PM ten, which would be kind of like dust level particles. PM two point five, which is the sort of much smaller things like mold and, and like tiny little things. But PM one, so that's that's even further. Would that be sort of airborne disease level? Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, not according to me, according to the WHO. Uh, so right. just <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and and so you then have this other piece, right? You have this other element, which I think is a really interesting complement to to what we've just been talking about around the the HVAC uh, building management and this carbon capture and indoor farms. So, where did that come from? What's that product about? Give us give us a quick intro to that. Yeah, absolutely. So we will need to go back five or six years, basically, because Sally R, we're, our name to begin with is a tribute to Sally Ride, the first female astronaut, US uh, astronaut. So we basically turned to space in the beginning to find solutions to how our buildings can rely less on the outside air. Because we see problems with the outside air being more and more polluted, and a lot of like energy consumption comes from the air exchange from buildings and to the outside. We need to heat it, cool it, whatever. Um, so when when starting to look at ISS and how they're solving the the, uh, the indoor air quality on the space station, we came across some some very like crucial crucial things that we need to solve. And one of them, obviously, being the uh, optimization of the whole service, and that's that's our software today. Another part of it is being able to capture CO2 from an HVAC system or from an indoor environment. So for the last three or four years, we've basically been digging into that and and uh, evaluating different technologies out there, and then coming up with our own uh, technology in order to car uh, capture carbon efficiently from indoor environments. Um, and then, obviously, like looking looking for for different solutions in how to offset that carbon. But once you once you captured it, what do you, what would you do with the CO two? Um, and we saw this uh, this um, kind of new industry. It's not new, but it's uh, it's definitely on uh, most people's radar these times. And it's concerning vertical farming and locally grown herbs and urban farming and container farming. Um, there's a lot of buzz going on there and one crucial part of sustainable indoor farming is being able to um, enrich the farming area with CO2. Um, and the the only solution that we've seen so far is to bring in like tubes and tanks with CO2 that quite often come from natural gas. And that's not very sustainable. So we see a possibility here to kind of make one industry more sustainable by giving them the CO2 and one industry, the real estate industry, both safe, safer and more energy efficient by capturing the CO2. Um, so yeah, that was a long explanation and monologue. But there no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So if that was, say, just to understand, because I know some of the images on your website, they depict maybe like a rooftop indoor farm that could be on a could be on a um, an office building for example where they've decided to you know, go in for that with a kind of um, like a yeah a bubble right so you create this this glass house area where it's a protected environment it, would it have to work would it only work in those that context or could it be say a vertical 
farm set up in the reception of a big building, for example, or do you need an enclosed space? Like, how is it? What are the applications? Like, what do you need from your side? Yeah, we need an enclosed space in some way uh, in, in order to really have an effect on the CO2 levels uh, so, the, so that you uh, actually get an, um, an increase in, in, in yield on the crops. So they grow more the more CO2 you have to a certain extent, of course. Um, so that, that is what you need. But we're also looking into different applications concerning more like traditional indoor farming, like traditional greenhouses, and particularly than, than commercial greenhouses. And then we would actually car- uh, capture the carbon from, from ambient air instead. So that would be more like direct air capture, but for a, for a specific purpose. That's another, another kind of application on that. So you, you sort of have this circular economy concept, right? Where you're, where we're trying to keep everything in the loop rather than, and in this case, the CO2 is, is kind of like the waste product that, that we want to keep in the loop to reuse to get more value from it. Is that? Is that fair to describe it that way? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like that, that is what, what we really want to achieve. And we also want to kind of like raise a, kind of the general awareness that you can actually do good things with CO2. Mm-hmm. CO2 is natural, it's in our air. It's just that we have a bit too much of it these days. So we need to like, we need to make something useful with it. And why not actually do or try to increase the production of uh, healthy food and and especially locally grown healthy food because um, there's loads and loads of benefits with uh, vertical farming, indoor farming, urban farming, and we we really if we can help we we want to help um, in that. And so, where do you go from here in terms of like building the business, bringing in new clients, developing new products and services? Like, how do you see this evolving over the next three to five years? Yeah, no, it's it's a very exciting times here at SRR. Um, what is the the plan for this year is concerning the optimization where we are uh, scaling that business as we speak. Um, we're getting into new markets. Um, we obviously started out in Sweden and Scandinavia, but we're we're uh, looking to expand into the UK and further into Canada as well this year. Um, concerning the carbon capture, we're in a way more like a premature stage, so we're commercializing that technology right now. Uh, we're getting our first uh, first couple of clients, and we will continue to evaluate the the, uh, the performance on that technology. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it will be a little bit divided, but uh, but uh, and we're in little different phases concerning the two technologies. But yeah, we we got our hands full. So let's take a, a potential building in, let's say, central London. Are there certain parameters within which you, you can work or are there certain requirements in terms of going in? Does it need to be a certain genre or type of building or something that's built after a certain year in terms of its HVAC? Like are there, are there areas where you can't help or are there areas where you can have more impact and more, more uh, positive um, results? Yeah, like essentially um, we don't... Our, our software works for any kind of building anywhere, basically. As long as you have mechanical ventilation, we can optimize that. Uh, but it's more of a matter of where we put our focus uh, as of today. So we, we focus um, deliberately on, on offices uh, and retail primarily, um, but also on, on, on more sensitive buildings like schools and, and hospitals or the, the health, health sector. Um, but we make the most difference in 
obviously large buildings, obviously less complex buildings, so open spaces, large open spaces. Um, and um, we can really make a difference where you have a lot of people coming in and, and changing in the, in the occupancy, because then we can react really fast and we get a, a huge difference on, on, on the energy. On the energy. So it's, it's a question that, that I'm nearly always asked when I'm proposing these kind of concepts and services to clients that I work with. It's like, oh, Matt, okay, but like, what are the cost implications? How much more is this going to cost me? And, and often my response is, well, look, there might be a little bit more upfront in terms of your capex, but then like, how long will it take you to, to pay that off in terms of your operating costs once you open the building? And actually it can often be within you know, a space of two to three years that the, the owner, if they're holding the property for that long, if they're redeveloping or constructing building and then selling, then it's a slightly different story, I find. But when they're holding the building for at least a few years, there's often a discussion around, well, what are your management and operational costs over the next three years and how much can we save you on those? Is it a similar argument in terms of selling in a Salihar service to a developer or a landlord? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and obviously with the twist that we, we sell our service as a service. So so um, you, you would basically pay a monthly fee that is way lower than your energy savings. So, I mean, from our perspective, there's actually no investment. Um, you're basically like, yeah, you're saving money. You're making money from day one, basically. Um, but obviously, like in the, in the startup phase, there can be certain investments that you need to do. And that could be relating, like investing in, in more sensors, for instance. But the way that we figure is that, well, you want sensors anyway, even if you're not going with that, that those are not salary specific sensors. So whether or not, whether you're not, whether you like it or not, you, you, you would need the sensors. And then you can subscribe to our service and start saving energy as well as be comfortable with that you've actually locked in and you've secured the indoor quality, no matter what happens in the building or outside the building. So sensors, you mean uh, ventilation rates as in, in inside the HVAC system or in terms of the air circulating in the occupied spaces? Yeah, to a 90% extent, I would say that the sensors inside the HVAC system, that is already in place. It is very rarely that we need to complement those sensors. But what we want, it all depends on what type of building, obviously, but in an, in an office building, for instance, with a more traditional office building, uh, with a lot of different rooms and stuff like that, we would need some more reference uh, uh, measure, measurements in, in the different rooms. Um, so that we can securely um, control the, the indoor air quality. Um, but as sensor cost, as the cost for sensors comes down even more, uh, it's not a huge investment in any kind of way, uh, I would say. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's minimal compared to what other types of investment we can do. Uh, it's not yeah. like solar cell phones. That, that's a much easier sell than, than solar panels on a roof, I can tell you from experience. <laughs> Very good. So listen, how can people learn more? How can they connect? How can they reach out and follow what you're doing? Yeah, we're, uh, we, uh, we obviously have a website, which is uh, fairly good. It's, uh, it's uh, getting more and more content on it. Um, but we're also trying to stay as active as we possibly can on primarily LinkedIn. That's our, our channel of, of, of choice. Um, and you're always happy to, to schedule a meeting with uh, with me or one of my colleagues to learn more as well. So uh, we're always always eager to, to speak to people out there. 
Awesome. We'll put all the contact details in the show notes. That was great. Thank you so much for your time, Frederick. Thank you very much.